Thanks, Lottie. Welcome, everyone. Particularly warm welcome to you if uh, uh, this is your first time here at Liberty Church. Maybe you're coming because you want to celebrate Easter with us. Uh, you're really welcome here. We do hope you feel very much at home with us. Uh, as Lottie said, if you have any questions at all uh, about anything that happens in the service, maybe this isn't the sort of church service you'd be used to or you would expect, then please feel free to come and talk to us. We'd love to, to get to know you. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, if you want to find uh, the book of Isaiah, which is probably about halfway through your Bible um, in the Old Testament, if you don't have a Bible with you, don't worry. You can either search for it on your phone or the word should appear as if by magic on the screen behind me in a moment or two. I'm going to read... Um, just the first three verses of Isaiah chapter 60 and then I'm going to pray and then we will get into the passage together and see what Jesus has to say to us this morning. It says this in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Jesus, we thank you that today we can come and celebrate the wonderful good news of this Resurrection Sunday that we can proclaim today that you're risen, that on Good Friday you died for us, you took all our sins, all our failings, all our weaknesses, you took them upon yourself. You came as our substitute, you came to die for us that we might have life and you rose again, you defeated death, you were raised for us, raised so that we might know you forever, raised that today we might know your love and your grace flooding into our hearts. And we want to celebrate that good news today and we just pray that as we look at these verses together that you would speak to us that we'd know your voice, we'd know your presence, your nearness with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus. You wouldn't normally come into a church. You wouldn't describe yourself as a, as a Christian or maybe you're just not really sure whether you are or not. But perhaps when you read these verses, they sound wonderfully relatable. They sound like, in a sense, what they are, this sort of ancient poetry. But they speak so much hope. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Such hopeful language, such joyful, relatable language. But these verses, they were actually, they're actually written to a, to a city, bizarrely enough. They're written to a city. The same way you may have noticed during the coronavirus pandemic, there are a couple of times where our, our mayor, Femke Halsma, 
wrote letters to the city asking us to come together, to stay strong, to abide by all the different guidelines. And in a sense, this is a similar thing. This is a letter, a poem to the city, to the city of Jerusalem. That's what it's written to. Some people say that Jerusalem is the only city that exists twice. There's a, an earthly city of Jerusalem. Maybe some of you have been there. But the Bible also describes a, a holy city, a heavenly city, a place that's become a center of worship and pilgrimage for in the Jewish faith, in the Christian faith, even in the Muslim faith. It's become a symbol of hope and destiny. And this idea of Jerusalem, of a better world, a place where light will shine and come. That idea, maybe it sounds a bit weird to you. You're thinking, what on earth is this guy talking about? But it's an idea that's flooded into the secular world around us. Even people that wouldn't have any faith at all, they hold on to this idea of Jerusalem, of that of a, a better world. Perhaps together we can build something better, brighter, a more hopeful future. Let me read some words to you that were written by Danny Boyle. He was the director of a couple of movies, a great zombie movie actually called 28 Days Later, but also the train spotting movie. But he also organized the opening ceremony of the 2012 London Olympics. And in his program notes for that, he said this. He said, we hope that through all the noise and excitement, he's talking about the opening ceremony of the Olympics, through all the noise and excitement, you'll glimpse a single golden thread of purpose, the idea of Jerusalem, of the better world, the world of real freedom and true equality. We hold a belief that we can build Jerusalem and then it will be for everyone. It's this belief, hope in, this, in our society that we can build a better world, a brighter future. It's not just for London, even here, where four or five hundred years ago, many Jews flooded to the city and they began to refer to our city as the Jerusalem of the West. They wanted to come here and build something better, something brighter, something more hopeful. And all of us have that impulse in our hearts when we view the world around us, when we look back on even recent history of the last few years, we think surely there can be something better, something brighter. Surely together we can build something new something fresh we also we have that impulse in our own hearts forgetting the rest of the world even for ourselves we're constantly living with even just a small glimmer of hope that maybe we can build a better future for ourselves or maybe for our children maybe that in the darkness that you're feeling maybe you might be able to find some light but obviously to, to build a better life for yourself or to build a better world for all of us, we have to find 
a way out from all the challenges we face, from the darkness that we can sometimes find ourselves in. And lots of the time, we can spend our whole lives trying to figure out what our biggest problems are and then trying to find the best solutions to those problems. What are the things that most hold us back and how can I solve those problems? What are the challenges that have kept me locked up and how can I be free? We might look at the world around us and see people who are so ignorant. They don't, they don't understand. They're so rude to each other. Well, we can solve that with just more education. Or people might feel a sense of a lack of identity. They don't know what it means to be themselves anymore. They don't know what it means to be Dutch anymore or English or wherever you come from. And people turn to nationalism will appoint a strong, bold leader who says he's for us. He'll solve the problems. Through the coronavirus pandemic, massive global problem we've all lived to, we said, well, science will have the answers. Or togetherness, we'll all just come together and follow all the rules. That will give us the way out. Maybe you feel a sense of loneliness or you see loneliness around us if we just have more community maybe that will help us maybe you're feeling stress anxiety worry maybe just the burden of life seems overwhelming well then we often just try to escape anything to take our focus often away these problems, these issues. Or maybe we see if we can find some kind of internal answer inside ourselves. Maybe we can just find some kind of inner peace. Everything's just too much. My life is just spinning too fast. Maybe I can just find some rest inside myself. There was a concert that happened here in this building a few weeks ago. Now, we don't own this place, it's rented out to lots of different companies. And then there was an event here called a sound healing concert, where a singer came and did an evening of singing with a room full of people. The strapline of the event was called, liberate your voice and set yourself free. I don't say that to mock them, I say that to say that all of us in some way, that's what we're trying to do, to liberate ourselves, to set ourselves free, to solve the biggest problems in our life, to find some kind of deliverance, some hope to find a way out. But even if we can find some kind of temporary deliverance, some kind of relief, it's often very very fragile. One of my favorite TV shows is a new season's coming out on Netflix this week, which I'm very excited about. It's called Better Call Saul. I don't know if any of you have seen it. But basically the whole TV show is this man who's, he's searching for deliverance. That's what he's looking for. He's got all this brokenness in his life where he's made mistakes in his past and he keeps trying to do things to fix everything, to make everything better. And he goes from situation to situation trying to improve himself, but 
as the story goes on, you see his life gradually getting worse and worse. Where he just keeps making mistakes. He keeps going in the wrong direction, thinking maybe this will be the way out. And then he's, he finds himself in an even worse scenario. And our lives are often exactly the same. We just go from, oh, maybe this will be the fixed solution. Maybe this relationship, somehow they can, they can save me. If I could just make this work. And it might work for a bit, but it doesn't normally last. And even if, we, even if we could, whatever your dreams and hopes are, maybe, it's, maybe you could find some kind of celebrity or status or some kind of wealth, some kind of solution, some way out. There's no way out from death. Very morbid way to start your Sunday morning. But we... We often imagine that our lives are certain and death is the great unpredictable factor. Whereas actually it's the other way around. Our lives are unpredictable. Surely we've learned that over the last two years. Who would have thought we'd have had to have lived through lockdowns and a pandemic? Our lives are very unpredictable. And the one certain thing that we all face is death. We'll all have to face it. And you might find a, a deliverance, a way out from all the other struggles in your life. But what about that one? And maybe you're here, as I said at the start, you're not a follower of Jesus. And you're thinking, surely what we really need a way out from what we really need deliverance from is deliverance itself surely this is just horrible christian language that you use to make people feel bad about themselves you just get up you get a microphone you talk about death you make everyone feel really glum you know surely we just need deliverance from that isn't christianity isn't that the thing that the world has spent the last 500 years trying to escape from that Christianity is really what we need deliverance from and Christians increasingly in our society is seen not just as a bit weird but even dangerous as subversive of corruptive of, of actually they're the ones that are going to spoil this new Jerusalem dream that we have with their old fashioned ideas and morals and maybe you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've come with a, a Christian, a friend who's invited you. Well, they know that, right? We, we, we know that people think we're a bit weird. We do. And yet we still believe. We're still here. We're still worshiping Jesus because we believe it's, it's true. We believe in the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. However alien and bizarre that sounds in your head, we believe it's true that Jesus came for us. And we believe that there is a way out, that there is deliverance. One of the most famous stories in this book, in the Bible, is the Exodus story, where the people of God, the Israelites, are in 
slavery in Egypt. A familiar story I'm sure many of you are aware of. And they're completely lost in their slavery. There's no way out for them. There are people without a homeland, without a state, completely lost in slavery, unable to save themselves. And yet God leads them out. And it's a powerful story in this book that in a sense the story goes through the whole book that God wants to deliver, that God wants to lead people out. And he wants to deliver us from the power of sin. He wants to deliver us from death. He wants to deliver us from the evil that's around us. And his way of doing that is in this wonderful Easter story. Jesus came in John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. That he came to give us a future hope, but a present life now. Let me read a couple of verses from the book of Romans. It says in Romans 4, 24, 25 even, that he was delivered up for our trespasses. He was raised for our justification. It goes in, in Romans 8 to say, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, that's what the Easter story is all about, that Jesus came to deliver us, that none of us could save ourselves, that even together, corporately, that we can't save the world around us, that we might try, we might be able to somehow, some temporary fix we might be able to deliver, but that we, we can't save anything by ourselves, that we need a saviour, that we need Jesus Christ. But you see, if you really look at the Bible, you'll see this, this idea of deliverance. It's only really half an idea. It's just half a plan. And it's a mighty half, it's a powerful half. If you ask the Israelites, delivered from slavery, they would hold on to it as wonderful good news, and it is. But he delivered them out of Egypt to take them somewhere, to do something with them. That he delivered them for a purpose, that he had a plan for them. You see, he's delivered us out of darkness. It said in that passage we read at the beginning, behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the people, but the Lord will arise upon you. He's come to deliver us out, but he's rescued us into something. He's rescued us to be a light to the world around us. It's what these verses in Isaiah are about. They're talking about, they've got a, a promise of the future, 
but they're also a promise for now, for today. That Jesus has come to send his people, his church, us, to be a light. That with his grace with us, that in a sense we can build the new Jerusalem around us. That we can try and build a better world, and we'll do it imperfectly, but we can love and serve and bless people. But not only has he rescued us, he's, he's ransomed us into his light. You see, this word deliver that we keep coming back to, the word that the Bible uses, originally it would have meant to, to loosen something. They would have used it in the context of loosening the clothing that a Roman soldier would have worn, to loosen his armor. Or they would have used it to let an animal free from a trap. And then it became used for liberating a, a prisoner. But how you would have liberated a, a prisoner with not just to open the door, but you'd pay a, a ransom that a redemption would take place. And that's what Jesus has done for us. A ransom has been paid. That he brought us with a price, his own life. But he's ransomed us into relationship with him. He's ransomed us into his family that he might know us. He's ransomed us into light. The gospel writer Luke, in his story of Jesus' life, he starts the book by talking about how when the angels came to the shepherds to proclaim that Jesus was here in the middle of the night, this great light shone upon them. The glory of the Lord shone upon them. And then when he tells the story of Jesus' death, he tells us how even in the middle of the day, the sun was blotted out and that darkness fell on the earth. He goes from light in the middle of the night at Jesus' birth to darkness in the middle of the day at Jesus' death. But then if you go into his account of the resurrection, when Mary and the other women go to the tomb, he says that it was, it was early dawn, that the light was coming up again. We all got to come here this morning as just the spring light bursting out across our city, flooding in through these windows here. We get to say that we can see that the glory of the Lord is shining upon us. And that's what it is to know this wonderful story of Easter today. That Jesus has come to deliver you. Whatever situation you found yourself in, whatever troubles you've been battling against, whatever darkness you might know in your life, what pain you can't get free from, he's come to set you free. He's come to deliver you. And ultimately, he's come to deliver us, not just in a temporary way, but forever. He's delivered you so that you can know him, that you can know a savior who loves you, that you can know eternity with him in his glorious light. And we pray for us, and then the band are gonna come and lead us in some songs of worship. Why don't you stand to your feet while we pray? Jesus, we 
want to thank you this morning that we have a saviour Jesus Christ that each of us can will be able to tell a story of how we've been dreaming hoping for a better world when we look on the the devastation we often see on the news on TV shows when we look even into the into our own hearts and we're aware of our failings and our weaknesses of all our attempts our best efforts to put things right and how time and again we've fallen short we thank you that we can come to you and know that you're a saviour that you're a perfect redeemer that you've ransomed us that you paid a price with your own blood you brought us and you've called us, chosen us to be part of your family. That you were delivered up for our sins and you were raised for our justification. That each one of us now, if we're believers in Jesus, can come to the Father and know that we've been made just, righteous by your blood. We've been washed clean. We can know your forgiveness. We can know your deliverance. We thank you that even this morning we can feel the warmth of the sun on our faces and it reminds us of the warmth of your grace poured out onto us. That none of us could save ourselves, but you saved us. You've come to set us free. We thank you, Jesus, for your amazing love for us. Amen.